peace and grace to you all. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Lamentations chapter 2. We'll close out chapter 2 here today. Lamentations chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 18 through 22. And we'll be speaking on the topic, the required response to God's wrath. And really what we'll see, if you have the, a copy of the outline, what you see is really uh, uh, repentance. Uh, that's really what we're going to be uh, looking at today. I'm not saying that the people of God repented, but we can see in a sense in uh, what Jeremiah is writing, a formula for repentance. Uh, so look with me. Lamentations chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. And here, Jeremiah writes, Their heart cried to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no rest, your eyes no respite. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. Look, O Lord, and see with whom you have you dealt thus. Should women eat the fruit of their womb? The children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed him in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summon as if to a festival day my terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised my enemy has destroyed. This is the reading of God's word, God's word that is given to us to sanctify us, God's word that is given to us to feed us and to encourage us. This is God's word. I know you know that sin is everywhere around us. We come in contact with it consistently on a daily basis. No matter where we look, we find sin and we find sin and its terrible consequences. And as a result, we're experiencing the wrath of God all around us. We're experiencing God is beginning to pour out his wrath, and we are experiencing that. And, and 
because of this reality, we see misery. We see misery and, and people that are really not happy because of their sinful conduct. People are sinning really are not happy. The people that are raising the flag for the LGBTQ, however you say it, they're not happy. In reality, in their deepest part of their soul, they're sad. Because this is a consequence of the wrath of God. And, and even for us as believers who are saved, who are sanctified, who are set apart unto God, we see the consequences of our sin even in our own lives. Because of this, this makes sin an important topic for the church. As I said last Sunday, many don't see it this way. Many don't want to deal with the ugliness of sin because it's offensive. And because of this, lives are falling apart. Because of this, many who are the people of God don't know how to deal rightly with their sin. Because of the, these realities, sin needs to be a major part of the gospel message. One theologian noted it this way. He said, quote, when churches leave the topic of sin out of worship, they are not relevant to the to the lives of their comrades because people encounter sin and sin's consequences daily. He says this ceasingly cheerful worship does not fit with the lives of people who come to worship. He said, he added, churches that are churches that silence the biblical message of sin and grace simply aren't anywhere near where people actually live their lives, including people in their own congregations. End quote. Sin is important. The, the discussion and preaching and teaching on sin is important because not only is sin out there, we're dealing with sin in here as well. And so as we, we, we've been reading Lamentations, we have come face to face with the reality of sin. And as we read and I know in my mind, words fail to, I cannot bring up the words to, to, to explain what, what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing of, of this, the enormous suffering. Particularly when I read about the fact that there are mothers who will eat their, they're so hungry, they're going to be eating their children. There, there is no, Words to, to explain this, this enormous suffering and, and the devastation of sin. Even Jeremiah said in, in verse 13, he says, what can I say to you? To what compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken to you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? 
Je, but but what is the response that Jeremiah is going to give these people? And remember, this is before Christ. This is before the gospel. So what is a response to people who are experiencing the terrible consequences of, of their sin? What how should we start the message to those who are dealing with sin in our society? Simply, we tell them, cry to the Lord. That's where it starts. Jeremiah instructed Zion to cry. To cry to the Lord. He, 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 he does not promise them that things will get better in their lives. The consequence of sin is the consequence of sin. No one can change that. That there is no way we can alleviate the pain and the consequences of sin in the lives of those who are experiencing. But what we can do is point them to God, point them to Christ. He can heal them. He can make them whole. Jeremiah knows this. He, he knows that that even he himself, the prophet of God, can't change what is happening to him. He and, and he and, and, and he empathized. He empathized with it. We'll see that next week. Uh, starting in chapter three, he empathized with the people. And since he, he gives his personal testimony. But what Jeremiah did not do, he did not try to save them. So look with me at verse number 18. Verse number 18. He calls them to cry out to the Lord. And this teaches us something about true repentance. True repentance involved a cry that is a cry to God. And it is a cry that is sincere. It is a cry that is from the heart. And so here in. Verse 18, Jeremiah returns to the theme of weeping. He, he turns to, to the theme of weeping. We, we've seen in, in verse 17 that God has ruthless. He, he is ruthless in executing his judgment against his people. Jeremiah said it was without pity. God dealt with his people without pity. And it seems like like God has, has, has abandoned them. And, and, and so how are they to respond? Look at verse 18. Jeremiah said, their heart cried to the Lord. This, this, this cry, they, they, this is, oh, they're, they're crying. They have, they're, they're cried and they're still crying. This, this is a, a collective cry. It's a collective, sincere cry. Among the people because of what is happening. The, 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 the people are crying because they are in severe distress because God is against them. If, if, if you're, if, if you are, if you are not in Christ, be, beloved, if you're not in Christ, if, if you don't know Christ as Savior, God is a, he, he is against you in a sense. And at the same time, he's offering you Christ. 
But the people are, are there in severe distress because they understand Jeremiah uh, has explained it in clear terms. God is against you. His hand has is raised and he has smote. He has smitten you. God is, has treated them like he has treated their enemies in the past. And Jeremiah says the Lord has done what he purposed. He's, he's done what he purposed because he said he would do this if they rebelled against him, continued to live in rebellion. Now it's coming back. So Jeremiah uh, is, is, is showing uh, acknowledging the fact that the people are crying out. Their hearts are crying out to the Lord. And they, they're crying out, no doubt, because we, we have read that they can't find anyone to comfort them and anyone to help them. They're helpless. They're broken. They have nowhere else to go. <laughs> All the nations have turned against them. The, uh, all the nations are ridiculing them. They're, they're starving. There, there are people dying on the streets. And, 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 and nobody is, is helping them. The, the idols that they served previously cannot help them. God has taken away all their false hope. Every false hope that they that they that they turn to apart from God. Remember, God called that evil. Every false hope God has taken it away. And now they are forced to turn to the Lord. Jeremiah said their heart cried to the Lord, the, the cried to the to the sovereign one, the sovereign master. And And, and even though. They cried to the Lord. There, there is no indication that this is the result of true repentance. So this tells us what, 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 what not to do to ensure that we're not coming or telling people to come in a superficial way to God. We, we want people to know that God wants them to come to him with their whole heart. But these, these people here doesn't appear that, that this is true repentance. Their hearts cried out because they're desperate. Their hearts cried out to the Lord because they see him as their last resort. John and Kelvin helps us on this. This is what John Kelvin said, commenting on this verse. He said, quote, not that they look to God as they ought to have or that they deposited with him their sorrows and cast them into his bosom as the prophet encourages us to do. But he says, but because they found no remedy in the world. They found no remedy in the world. He says, for as long as men find any comfort or help in the world with that, they are satisfied. There is no help. God even has turned against them. And the only 
The only alternative they have is to cry to the one who is bringing the very judgment upon them. He adds, uh, John Calvin adds, he says, when necessity forces us, then we began to cry to God. They cried to God because they had nowhere else to go, beloved. There, there is nowhere else to go. And notice what he, what he goes on and says. He says, O wall, the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent day and night. The, the wall here is, is, is probably a reference to the people who again are devastated. They're broken. They're in great grief because of what God has done. In verse 8, Jeremiah has already personified the, the wall of Jerusalem as lamenting and collapsing in exhaustion. The wall is, it represents or it signifies that the people it signified the strength of the people. They, they trusted in, in the walls of Jerusalem to protect them. And, and so the, 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 the prophet, he, he personifies the wall. And here, even in this text, again, he personifies the wall and calls upon the wall of Jerusalem to give way to continual grieving and lamenting. He says, like a torrent, a, a torrent. Or a continuous, it's a, a continuous gushing of, of water. That, 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 like, like in a valley that has, has flooded and, the, and the water is flowing out of the valley. Nothing can stop it. It is continual. It does not cease. He says, O wall of Jerusalem, let tears stream down like a torrent day. And night. He says, give yourself no rest, your eyes no respite. The, the people must continually mourn because of their sins. And Jeremiah, in a sense, is saying, don't let your eyes stop crying. Keep tears flowing from your eyes. Again, Jeremiah is not trying to deliver people from the consequences of their sin. He wants them to experience the consequences of their sin. He, he doesn't want them to, uh, uh, to he doesn't want to get in the way so that in a sense that the people become insensitive or indifferent to the, to the consequences of their sin. He doesn't want to minimize the reality of sin. We can do that. We can try to minimize the impact upon the, 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 of sin upon the lives of those in our lives. Jeremiah is saying, cry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Remember, he said, I don't. I, there's nothing I can tell you, but what I can tell you to do is cry. Cry to the Lord. 
Even Jeremiah, in, 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 in verse 11, he says of himself, my eyes are spent with weeping. He, he, he is emotionally drained from weeping. For what has happened to the people. But in this, I think there is a glimmer of hope. Say, so why do you say that? Turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter two. Exodus chapter two, verse twenty-three. said, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So in this cry, this continuous cry, this continuous crying that Jeremiah is instructing the people to do, there is a glimmer of hope. That there, there is a glimmer of hope that God may hear their cry. So they are to cry sincerely. They're to cry unceasingly. Look at verse number 19. He, he, in a sense, Jeremiah is instructing them to arise and cry some more. <laughs> verse 19, arise. This, this word means it is to prepare, uh, to, to prepare for action. And so they're to arise, to prepare, prepare to do what? Cry. His word here means to a sudden loud cry. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Je Jeremiah instructs the people to cry and, 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 and to keep on crying, cry throughout the night. Why? Because of the condition that the people are currently in. And also, I think it's important for them to continually cry and mourn their sin because they could be tempted to go back to their old ways. They, they can be tempted to turn back to doing what they what, what brought them the judgment of God. And 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 also, I think this continual sorrow that Jeremiah is calling for, it, it shows that if they continue to cry day after day and in, uh, in all the night watches, that they, they continue to so, show sorrow. 
I think this would would show that they're genuinely more remorseful for violating the law of God. That they're genuinely sorry for violating God's holy standard. And so Jeremiah, he tells me, he says, he says, cry, rise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night, watch pour out your heart like water. <laughs> pour out here is the, the same word that is used in verse four, where it says that God has poured out his fury like fire. It is used in verse number 11 where Jeremiah says, my bowel is poured out and it's used in, in verse 12 of the children where it says that as their life is poured out and death on their mother's bosom. I want you to notice something about everything that I just said. Why is it that this pouring out is taking place in, in all these instances? It's because of the sin of the people. It is because of their sin and because now the, these uh, the, these consequences of their sin is, is, is taking place. Jeremiah said, look, all this pouring out is taking place because of what you've done. Now, what is your response? You pour out your heart now. All of this, this destruction and devastation is because of you. I, Jeremiah is crying because of you. The children are dying because of you. Now, what are you to do? You're to pour out. Pour, pour out your heart like water because of your sin. Don't stop grieving before the presence of the Lord. Notice what he, Jeremiah goes on. He says, lift your hands to him. In a sense, uh, Jeremiah is saying, Lift your hands to him. This is this is not praise that he's talking about. This this is saying, God, I've done this. God, this is what I've done. These children are dying because of me. They to lift their hands to God for the little children who are suffering. On every street. Notice what he says. For the lives of your children. Who faint. For hunger. At the head of every street. And there's something important in this. That they're to cry for the children. Why is it that Jeremiah is calling for them. To remember the children. First of all, it makes them face the reality, the harsh reality of their sin. But it also helps them to, 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 to understand, remember that these are the chosen people of God. God promised Abraham that his, his lineage would number the stars. Remember that promise that God made to Abraham. Now that promise. Is threatened. The children are dying. The lineage is threatened. 
Jeremiah wants them to feel the weight of what they've done. It's like he's saying, look around and see the consequences of your sin. Feel the weight of it. You have bought this about. Because of this reality, there should be not only a cry of sincerity, a cry that is unceasingly, but a cry of urgency. A cry of urgency. Look what he says. Look, O Lord, and see with whom you have dealt thus. This is a plea to the Lord to look and to consider this this appalling situation that they've gotten themselves into. It is perhaps a plea for mercy. Because there is no one that can help. And the only one that can offer real help to the people is the Lord. It is Yahweh. It, it is the here. It is the, the, the Yahweh, the covenant God, the one who is punishing them, Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. And it's like they're saying. Jeremiah wants them to get to a point to say, Yahweh, remember who it is that you're punishing. We're your people. We're your people. And, 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 and this appeal that Jeremiah is instructing them to offer to the Lord, it, it suggests that the Israelites are, are holding on uh, in a sense. Uh, he wants them to hold on to the belief that, that God will again be compassionate to them. If, if there was no hope in this, Jeremiah wouldn't write this. And we'll see even when we get into chapter three, there, 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 there is hope for the people. God, it's your people who are suffering. Look whom you have. And then look what Jeremiah goes on. He says, should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Divine judgment, the divine judgment of God has caused the, the mothers to sink to the lowest kind of human behavior. Cannibalism. Mothers are, 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 are tempted to eat their children. And we'll see that that did, that did take place in chapter, chapter three. And Jeremiah, he prophesied that this will happen. Jeremiah 19, verse 9. Jeremiah 19, verse 9. I started verse 8, and 
It says, God says, I, and I will make this city a horror, a thing to be hissed at. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss because of all its wounds. Verse 9, and I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his neighbor in the seed and in the distress with which, with which their enemies and those who seek their life afflict them. I said this before and I'll say it again. God knows how to humble you. God knows how to humble you. And I'll say this again as well. God ain't playing. God means what he says and he says what he means. So as you, as those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online, perhaps God is not playing. And if you are uh, not a believer, I know that you are feeling the weight of your sin. And I want to tell you, by the authority of God's word, cry out to him. Drugs can't help you. Sex can't help you. Marriage can't help you. The world can't help you. Your only help is God and God alone. Cry out to him. Stop playing with God. Because what we're seeing, God said that it will happen and it is happening. God's word is true. The soul that sinneth shall die. There is coming a judgment one day. But the, today is the day of salvation. As we see, this is what is happening to the people. The consequences of their sin is terrible. And Jeremiah does not want them to miss it. It's like he's opening the door and say, see it. See your sin. See the consequences. Jeremiah goes on, just should the priest and the prophet be killed in the sanctuary? Yahweh, look, the, the priests and the, and the prophets that remain face the threat of being killed. We need your help. They're crying out because there are worse things that can happen. Verse 21, he says, in the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. The young are dead. There are those who are old that are dead. Their bodies are decaying in the street. Oh, this is not a pleasant sight. 
Don't get it mixed up. We read the scripture oftentimes reading it as if we're reading a story. This is real. God has done this. And 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 the people are are to face the the, the reminders of, of the consequences of the sin. God, we have caused you to bring this on us. And that's that's the cry of sin. That's the that's the cry of repentance. It is an, an, an acknowledgement, not making excuses because this person did this to me. This person did that to me. No, I am in the state I'm in because of what I have done. Verse 22, you summon as if to a festival, to a festival day, my terrors <laughs> on every side. And the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held, again, this is a, a reference to the to those whom I held and raised, my enemy destroyed. Wake up, pay attention to the consequences of sin. And so as I close, lamentations. It confronts us with the harsh reality of sin and God's anger, God's anger against sin and against sinners. It drives us to the gospel of Christ. It, it drives us to the gospel because that is the only hope. And, and, and what it does, it allows us to be honest with ourselves. It, it allows us to be honest and, 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 and to, to lay down uh, everything, all the, the false things that we use to protect ourselves and be honest and say, this is who I am, God, before you. This, this is God, this is me. This is my true condition. And so it, it drives us to the, to the gospel of Christ. And it allows us to be honest and to weep tears of repentance over our condition. One writer noted this. He says, quote, we need to listen for the, the lamentable, unrelenting cries of the damned. We need to smell the suffer in the lake of fire. We need to look, as it were, into the bowels of hell. And never forget what we see. He asked those in the church, no matter what your profession of faith, who persist in intentional, flagrant disobedience to God, he says, you're going to hell. He says, it is time to warn people to repent and to flee to Jesus. And he closes, he says, until the church is serious about fighting our own sin, we have no grounds to warn the world of the same. He said, they will not listen. 
they are emboldened by our indifference and our apathy towards sin. So Lamentations confronts us with the harsh reality of sin. Let, let, us, let us hear and respond to God's voice through the prophet Jeremiah. Let us close. Father, as I am even standing here now, I'm under the word as well. This is a this is this is in a sense a warning to all of us to take sin seriously. To to take your word seriously. Because it is when we ourselves take sin seriously and when we allow the reality of, the, of sin and its consequences to saturate our own hearts, we will go to the world with pity, with compassion. And Father, I think this is why sin remains in the world as it does. I think you have left sin in the world to keep us humble as your people. To not be boastful, to, to, to not be religious, but to be real. So that when those who are in the world come into this place, they will meet real people who are dealing with real sin in their lives, who can instruct them on how to come to Christ and apply the word to their lives for their sin. Father, that's what you've called us for. To be a light to the world. And sometimes being a light means being transparent, as we see, we'll see next week, Jeremiah, with Jeremiah. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your holy word. I pray that you will sell it into your hearts of your people so that they may bring fruit forth to you, fruit that is pleasing to Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.